Good afternoon again, church, <clears throat> and uh, happy Sabbath to you all. Um, we are low in numbers today, but where two or three are gathered, the Lord is the Lord is in the in the midst to bless. Um, I might have mentioned um, a few weeks ago that there was a a cup final. Um, I don't wish to talk about the cup final. Um, but I, I did promise to be gracious in defeat and gracious in victory, so I'm, I'm going to try to be gracious now. Um, uh, con- congratulations and... <coughs> no, um, seriously, um, congratulations... I was giving Colin a hard time, as you know, um, but the the best team won. They won by a, a fair distance, I think it's fair to say. But uh, they the the best team did one. So congratulations on a on another trophy for Arsenal. I feel a little bit sick. I'm gonna need to have some water now. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, so we are in the book of Acts, and we are continuing our, our journey in the in the book of Acts and. Uh, we've looked at um, at the start at the start of the quarter. We looked at being God's witnesses, um, and then we we jumped forward in the story to look at the sons of Sceva, the sons of Sceva, and we were saying that we need to have a, a true and a genuine um, connection with with God. It's it's not something that can be faked and. Uh, the last time I was here, we, we looked at the topic, this same Jesus. No, that was David Neal. We looked at, they have been with Jesus. Um, so, you know, we need to make sure that spending time with God is a priority in our lives, that we actually um, spend time with God so that people will be able to see that we too um, have spent time with Jesus. So we're moving on in the story, and we're in Acts chapter 5 today, Acts Chapter Five Acts Chapter Five, and for context, so this the scripture reading where my main focus today is verse 29. But for context, let's just start at verse 17. And it says, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out, And said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, indeed we found the prison shut securely. And the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. 
Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in the prison are standing in the temple and teaching in the temple. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And verse 29, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. The title for today is, Who Will You Obey? Who Will You Obey? Let's bow our heads. Our Lord and Father, we pray that um, you would be with us in these next few moments. Uh, May we find um, some encouragement, some inspiration, Lord, through your word. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive a word from you this day. Is my prayer in your name. Amen. What kind of attitude do you have when it comes to obedience? When your parents tell you to do something... Do you do it or do you challenge it and drag your feet? Uh, For those of us who are married, when your partner makes a decision or specifically asks you to do something, do you get on with it or do you perhaps wait to get something that you want first before you do it? Scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Your bosses, your supervisors, your teachers, when they make requests of you, are you the kind of person that obeys or not? I remember a few years back when I was in secondary school, I was in year nine, so I was around 13, 14 years old, and one of the options that I had chosen was Spanish, so I was uh, learning Spanish, and I I liked the teacher, she did a perfectly good job to me, but as is always the case, there are are some people who just didn't like her. Uh, Before the start of every lesson, we were not allowed to sit down straight away. We had to stand behind our desks, get our pencils cases and our our books out. And then when when she had everybody's attention, she would say, Buenos dias. And we would say, Buenos dias, Senora Cruz. And then she would say, Sientate, which means sit down. And then the the class would begin. So every class, without fail, like clockwork, would always start the same way. So as I said, there were a couple of guys who didn't like her. And they were troublemakers from the get-go. And so we were lining up outside her class uh, one morning. And someone said, wouldn't it be funny if, when Mrs. Cruz speaks, we just don't say anything? And then you know how it is when people, kids are in school. That thought very quickly developed into a plan of action. And word was passed around outside in the hall. Don't say a word, otherwise you'll get a hiding or be called gay, something like that. Now, I don't want to be involved in something like this. I don't want the hassle. I don't want the trouble. I knew from the off that there wasn't going to be a happy ending to this. And so we all filed in. We did the usual, got our equipment out ready for class. And then she asked for quiet. And then she says, buenos dias. And not one, not one person in a group of about 30 kids uh, from that 30 second plan that was hatched outside the classroom said a single word. 
And there were some goody two-shoes in that class, and even they stayed completely silent. The teacher thought, well, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And she tries again, buenos dias. And again, nothing. Nobody broke. And I knew, I knew I should not have succumbed to peer pressure. I knew I should not have gone with the crowd. But there I was with everyone else, doing something I should not have done. I felt bad for her because it was unnecessary and she didn't deserve it. Mrs. Crew, she tried again, but there was zero response. And then she started to get angry. I mean, she was probably getting mad. She was up in the faces of some of the pupils. And then somebody started to snigger and laughter started to break out. And the more frustrated she got and the angrier she became, the funnier it was to us as the class. At the time, it was hilarious. But looking back on it, it was not cool what we did. And so she threatened us with lines and detentions and extra homework. But yet still nobody budged. And finally, she said that she was going to get the headmaster if she didn't respond to, uh, if we didn't respond this time. And our headmaster was really someone he didn't really want to mess with. And so she said, buenos dias. And we all finally replied to that poor woman. And the class began after that. And I remember her going around the class and speaking to individuals, including myself, uh, saying how disappointed she was in us. She expected that kind of behaviour from others, but not from us, which made me feel even worse. We got into stacks of trouble. We, there was detentions for everyone. The head of year came and gave us a, a verbal beatdown in the following lesson. And the reality of the situation was this. When the two options were presented to me, I went with the crowd instead of obeying my teacher. I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but I took the easy way out. When I was under pressure, I compromised my principles instead of obeying and had to accept the consequences that came with that. So again, I asked the question, what is your attitude to obedience? The question of obedience is not just to obey or not obey. The question that faces us is whom to obey? Who will you listen to? Where are your priorities? Everyone obeys something or someone. We all choose who to obey. So the question for today is who will you obey? Those pesky disciples, full of the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel, performing miracles, sharing the good news that Jesus had died for our sins, doing these wonderful, positive things in the community, were seen as a threat and a nuisance by the Jewish authorities. How dare they bring joy and hope into the lives of others? So the rulers decided to put the disciples, the members of the early church, into prison. Because they saw them as a threat to their status, to their power and their importance. The Bible says that they were filled with indignation. And so they locked them up and had guards stationed outside and went about their business. The disciples did not resist the arrest or organise a public protest. They went quietly along and went to jail. But what is a locked door to the great God of heaven? God decided to spring a prison break that isn't on Netflix and he didn't need any schematics or need to know when the guards were changing duty. All he had to do was send an angel. And this divine intervention shows us, the readers, whose side God was on. The authorities had underestimated who they were dealing with. Uh, So they are set free, but they're also set free for a purpose because the angel instructs them and says go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life 
God did not set the apostles free so they could run for the hills or just indulge in their own comfort. They were set free for a reason. And that reason is clear. Mission. Spread the good news. Reaching others for God. Tell others about Jesus, the Son of God. And so the disciples wasted no time. First thing in the morning, they were there at the temple. One of the clear characteristics of the early church was this obedience, this, this confidence, this holy boldness. They were unfazed and unashamed. And neither the guards nor the leaders knew that the apostles had been liberated. You can't attempt to smile when you imagine the surprised look on the face of the guards as they discover that their most important prisoners have gone. Well, they were there when we left them last night. And imagine the astonishment of the religious leaders when they heard this report. Time after time, the hand of God was, was shown to them to be mightier, mightier than theirs. They wanted Jesus crucified, but he was resurrected. They told no one to speak of Jesus, but yet at Pentecost, 3,000 people gave their lives to God. And here they are, trying to stop the miracles, but their actions only multiplied the miracles. Everyone... Was locked up, you could hear the flustered jailer say. Everything was as we left it last night. Guards were standing by the door, but when we opened up, there was nobody inside. And while the authorities were trying to make sense of this, a messenger bursts in. You're not going to believe this, but right now, at this very minute, the men that you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And once again, the disciples are are brought before the authorities and they are reminded that they were given strict orders not to teach in the name of Jesus. Orders which were clearly not being respected. But Peter speaks up and he clearly is in no mood for backtracking or apologies. And he gives it to them straight and he says, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. Peter and the apostles knew where their priorities were. And it was with doing the will of God and not following the instructions of these religious leaders. In other words, they were not going to stop. They were not going to apologise for what they were doing. We are doing what we need to do and what we are supposed to be doing. I'm sorry, but God comes first. But let's, let's consider what is taking place here with a bit more thought. The early church members were in prison. They were locked up. No charge brought against them. Jail for a crime that they did not commit. And then uh, through supernatural intervention, the disciples are freed and they are instructed to go and speak the words of this new life. Now, be honest. You've just been put in prison. You're completely and utterly innocent. And somehow, like a game of Monopoly, you pick up a get-out-of-jail-free card. Be honest, how many of us would really have returned to that temple the following morning? The truth is, some of us would have compromised. In the interests of self-preservation, in that same situation, we would have been tucked up in bed watching the Lorraine show the following morning. The, the apostles did not change their convictions. They obeyed God and trusted him to take care of the consequences. Had they been diplomats instead of ambassadors, they would have tried to please everyone and escape to beaten, but they stood by their convictions and they stood firmly for the Lord. On the Christian journey, 
there will be times and seasons when our faith and what we believe will be tested. We will be put in situations where we have to make a choice. Do I go with God or do I choose another option? Who will you obey? I know what God has to say on this, but I know that I should, but I just feel, I know it's the right thing to do, but Christianity is not a halfway house. We cannot cherry pick the things that we like to do or the things that suit us and leave the things that challenge us or uh, to do better or or confront us uh, as to who we are and leave them to one side. It cannot and it does not work like that. So it's a question of priorities. Let me give you an example. One of the commandments says, Thou shalt not lie. It's simple, it's clear. There's no misinterpreting that. But, but when we are in a situation when the truth is perhaps not convenient, we justify lying. Well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I couldn't be bothered to tell the truth, so I lied. So rather than obey God, we choose another option, or we create another option. Or another one. The Bible says, uh, quite clearly, if somebody upsets you, what should you do? Go and talk to them. But what do we do? We go and talk to our friends. We give that person dirty looks. Uh, We say we won't talk to them again because our feelings got hurt. But... This isn't what we should be doing. We should go and address the issue instead of letting it fester. So rather than obey God, we choose another option. You might turn around to me and say, well, Curtis, these are trivial things. Well, yes, they may seem trivial, but the point is, if you are able to compromise or be selective instead of obeying some areas, then the truth is that you will be able to do the same thing in other areas. And then it becomes a slippery slope that you're on. Here's the thing, just for a moment, reflect on the kind of society that we live in. It seems that everyone these days has rights but Christians. We adjust, we try to accommodate, and yet we no longer seem to have a voice. And in some areas, people are being persecuted and losing their lives just for being a Christian. If I say to you, Ashes Bakery, you all know what the verdict was. And although they plan to appeal, it's plain to see that Christianity is almost being suffocated. In addition to this, at the referendum that took place down south a few weeks ago, and we have people uh, coming out and saying that the church needs to move on with the times. Forget what the Bible says. Let's do what we want. Let's do what we feel. And so, more and more, Christianity is being put under the microscope, being put under scrutiny. I'm not saying this so that we should have a a pity party and feel sorry for ourselves, but this is the reality of the society that we live in. And so, ultimately, the members in each of the denominations of Christianity are going to be faced with the the question, who will you obey? Are you going to be informed by the word of God or by other people? So we need to be able to make good choices and decisions. If we go with God and obey him on some of the smaller decisions, then it puts us in good stead when it comes to making some of the bigger decisions. I could also throw in the element of Sunday worship. You know, I I don't subscribe to all these conspiracy theories and scaremongering that goes on, but 
you know, because for the last 10 years of my life, I've seen people whip themselves up into a frenzy. The Sunday law is coming. It's being implemented. It's coming. It's coming. And yes, it is coming for sure. And when it happens, it won't be a pleasant time for, for those of us who worship on a Sabbath. But again, it boils down to who will you obey? Are you prepared to keep worshipping on what you know is the right day? Or will you compromise? I'm not highlighting these issues just for the sake of it. Again, I'm asking you, what is your attitude to obedience? Peter stated clearly, we should be obeying God rather than men. And to my mind, there are two aspects to this. First, our relation to the government and to authorities. We are guided by the word of God. If it is that people, rulers, authorities, governments contradict the word of God, then, as the, as the authorities were doing in the story, then God takes precedence. That does not mean that we have to agree with everything that the governments do. Uh, the Bible counsels us to live as good citizens and to follow the laws of the land. But if and when they make laws that, and they, if they do things that contradict the Bible, then Peter encourages us to stick to the Bible because God trumps each and every situation. The second aspect is relation to other people and ourselves. Like myself in the story I told earlier, I wanted to please my peers. Their happiness or their acceptance was more important to me than doing the right thing. And the same can be said for us too. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to stand out. So we go with the crowd and go with the flow. And entangled in this is our own desires. We want to do what feels right. We want to do what feels good. So you do what you want to do, what you feel to do, instead of what God has said. So oftentimes, if it's a question of God's way or our pleasure, then our pleasure takes precedence. We can be too concerned about pleasing others and ourselves instead of God. It matters, it seems to matter more what others think or how they feel and how we feel, rather than how God thinks and how God feels. So somewhere along the line, we have got our, our priorities mixed up. John fourteen, twenty one says, If you love me, keep my commandments. God has to come first. This is the overarching standard for us. Obeying God first. God comes first, everything else second. The reality is, though, it's easy to obey God when times are good, Right? When life is a garden of roses, sure, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I'll do it willingly and with a smile on my face. But what about when things aren't going so good? When the bills are totting up, but the tithe money is due, do you still obey God and give what is his? When your employer asks you to work on a Sabbath, will you speak up about your beliefs or do you go with the flow? When it is potentially going to cost you, when the road ahead may be rocky, can you still stick to your principles? When you are going through it, can you still trust in God? I think about Daniel and his example. Even though he was a a high-ranking officer in the court, openly disobeying a law could cost him everything, even his life. But in the face of certain punishment, he obeyed God. Daniel didn't think twice about his decision. He knew he had to obey God uh, before he gave in to man's commands. His example shows us that it is possible. Put God first and let him take care of the rest. 
your faithfulness will mean that his faithfulness has to react. For those of you that have your Bibles or have your Bibles on your, your phones and your tablets, I just want to show you something. There are 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And of those many verses, if you were to add them all up and work out what the middle verse was, uh, in the middle verse in the whole Bible, you would come to the following. So turn with me to Psalms 118 and verse 8. Psalms 118 and verse 8. So right at the heart, at the center of the Bible, is this message. Psalms 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Put God first and let others come in after that. Unstoppable is the word that comes to mind when you look at the early days of the church. Conflict and controversy threatened to take that young group down, but instead of destroying it, the challenges that they faced fueled their fire and it spread across their, their landscape. And when we think about the obstacles that they faced, the religious leaders trying to muzzle the message that they, that they were proclaiming, yet all the while they remained unstoppable. And Whilst that characteristic of being unstoppable stands out, the, the other quality that stands out is that of obedience. And if this is a characteristic that they had at the start of the church, it's a characteristic that we should also have in 2015. Who will you obey? Seems like an easy question to answer. Of course I will obey God. But times are changing. Society is changing. and The question is, where will you stand? When you are under pressure, will you still choose God? We see that in the early church, the threats of violence and, and prison mattered not to the disciples. They were going to go God's way, come what may. So where do we stand on that? It was a, a setback and a knockback for the disciples to have ended up in prison. And... After miraculously freeing them, the angel charged the apostles to go back to the temple and pick up where they left off. Don't lower the flag. Don't soften the message. Just get back to work, boys. Keep calm and carry on. Can we have the same outlook? Can we stay consistent to God and his word? We need to be biblical people, people whose foundation is on the word and not on our own thinking, our own emotions, our feelings and desires. God should have the number one spot in our lives. And while this is true, let me be honest and upfront with you also. Yes, we can choose to obey, but sometimes there is a cost to pay. At the end of of our story, the disciples were let go, but not before taking a beating. And again, I stress, for no reason. But look at their reaction in Acts 5 verse 41. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. So this is after, directly after they took a beating and were sent away. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing 
that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. After having been publicly flogged and beaten, the Bible says that they went away rejoicing. And they continued worshipping together, both in the temple and in the houses. What an amazing perspective that they had. Yes, there may be a cost to pay, but the costs and the sufferings that we may face, Romans 8 verse 18 says, is nothing compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. As seen in his word, if we do his will, if we live honestly and honour him in everything that we do, then he will be faithful to us. One of the signs that you belong to Christ is that you desire to be obedient. So do you have an attitude of obedience? Who will you obey? Will you obey others or will you obey God? Yes, we can talk about the governments, but do other people's wishes and do your own desires supersede what God wants for your life? Who will you obey is a question that each of us as individuals have to face and answer. What is more important to you? Where do your priorities lie? The disciples showed us that we should obey God rather than men. But the choice is up to you. Amen.